Good morning. As Hal mentioned, my name is Clay Warner. If I haven't had a chance this morning yet to meet you, I have the joy of leading the church plant in Oconee County that I'm really excited about. There's quite a few folks who are excited about it with me. If you live out there and you might be interested, you can go to oconeefellowship.org and you can see a little bit more about the church plant, who we are, what our vision is, and some contact information for me if you'd like to get in touch and have an excuse to get some coffee or learn more about the church plant. Uh, We're going to be looking at Hebrews 13 this morning. If you want to take a chance and turn there in your Bibles, it's after the books in the New Testament like Colossians and Galatians and Ephesians. It's before the books of 1 Peter and Revelation. If you don't have a Bible with you, you also have it printed for you in your bulletin if you would like to take a look at it there as well. Let me mention this as we get started. Um, One of the things that my wife and I do as she gets home from school and I get home from work is we regularly ask each other, maybe not every day, but regularly, what are three words that describe your heart right now? And I think recently some of the things that I said was uh, excited, excited about the church plant, Uh, anxious, anxious about some of the things of fundraising and logistics and all those kinds of things. But also the last one is something that I think we're all probably feeling in our hearts. I wonder if you answered that question as well, three words to describe you this morning. I wonder if for a good majority of us here in this room, one of those three words would be exhausted, tired. Uh, school's about ready to come to an end. Parents, you're almost there. Good job. Students, you're almost there. Good job for you. It's, it's taken a toll on you, I'm sure, with uh, uh, learning from home, learning on a computer screen, learning at school, and all the different protocol that you've had to navigate. Uh, each of us in our own ways have had to endure a remarkably tiring season. And it's into that that I wonder how you would answer this, this question of how would, you, how would you finish this sentence? It's good for the heart to be strengthened by And I wonder what you'd say. Uh, Some of you might say, the end of school. Uh, Some of you might say, a vacation to the beach. Others don't want to be at the beach, you want to take a vacation at the mountains. So it's good for you to be strengthened by a vacation in the mountains. Maybe it's a stroll at the botanical gardens. Maybe it's good for your heart to be strengthened by that Netflix series you've just been waiting to binge and now you finally have time for. Uh, whatever it is, we're, we're looking for something to strengthen our hearts. And one of the things that this passage says this morning, and I love this phrase, it says to each one of you sitting here this morning, it is good for your heart to be strengthened by grace. It's good for your heart to be strengthened by grace. So this morning, we're going to look at your heart strengthened by grace And then next, we're going to look at your lives changed by grace. What do those things look like this morning? If you would with me, uh, look in verse 7 of chapter 13, and we're going to give our hearts to the reading of God's word. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar 
from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The reading of God's word, who loves you and who wants you to know him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word, and pray that for all of us who have come into this room this morning, and all of your people around the world that have gathered together to worship you, that together by faith, you would strengthen our hearts through grace. So this morning, whether we know you or do not know you this morning, that you would meet with us and show us your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I want to look first this morning at your heart strengthened by grace. I think there's a a few ways that this author approaches this topic here in this text this morning. And the, the first way that your heart is strengthened by grace is that your heart is strengthened by the grace of faithful teachers. You can see this again in verse seven as we look back at the text that we just read. Look at this. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Uh, One of the things that that's assuming in the believing community is as you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you acknowledge that there's so much about God and his heart and about what he's done for you that, that you don't know. And God and his mercy and his grace has has gifted people inside the church to teach to you the word of God. It's assuming that you are regularly and consistently being involved in face-to-face community. As helpful and strategic as social media is and all the things that we can do online, it's calling us to enjoy and be consistent with our participation and being part of a community with that face-to-face opportunity to gather and learn. And it's saying that, that God himself eagerly desires to strengthen your heart by the grace of faithful teachers, those who will teach you the word of God. But notice also, it's not just what they teach. It's also how they live. Again, in verse seven, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I don't know about you, but I know early in my Christian walk, as I had placed my faith in Jesus Christ, I uh, came to faith right before college. And for me, the question was, what, is, what does it look like for me as, as a teenager at this point and as a, as a man to follow Jesus? And I was so thankful that I had peers in my life that had followed Jesus for much longer in their lives. I'm so thankful that I had elders in the church and teachers that said, here is an imperfect example but an example nonetheless of what it means to follow Jesus by faith. I love some of you know the the name of St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, and a man that impacted him significantly was Ambrose, an early teacher in the church. And this is one of the things that Augustine says about Ambrose in his confessions. He says this, I simply grew to love the man, 
not at first because he was a teacher of the truth, and this was when he was skeptical. He says, I had, for I had no hope whatsoever in your church, but I grew to love the man simply as a person who was kind to me. See, one of the things that this author is trying to help the community of believers that he's writing to understand is that he wants your heart to be strengthened by grace. And one of the ways that the Lord does that is for providing people who will come and teach you the word of God and live their faith right in front of you. Strengthened by the grace of faithful teachers. You'll notice next, it seems somewhat abrupt that he'll do this, but we're also strengthened by the grace of faithful teaching. All of a sudden, verse eight, it seems fairly jarring. He's talking about teachers, and then he says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, one of the things that he's saying is, is the best teachers on their best days are only pointers, that their words and their lives are, are pointing you away from themselves to the one whom your hearts are ultimately dependent on, Jesus Christ. And one of the things that the author is saying is that your circumstances may change. In fact, the leaders who are originally part of this church that he's writing to, the first generation are gone, either through death or they've moved somewhere else. And he's saying even though teachers might change, even though your circumstances might change, I'm sure for many over 2020 and 2021, they have. Some, it seems like things are changing and they're getting better. For some, it seems like things are changing and they're getting harder. And the author is pointing you to the one person whose heart never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's good news for believers to know that the, the same gracious Christ that we came to at the beginning of our faith journey is the same one that we're experiencing here this morning. It's also, I hope, a challenging comfort to anyone here this morning who doesn't know Jesus. The same Jesus 2,000 years ago that we read about in the gospel that so faithfully pursued sinners as a good shepherd at the same Savior who faithfully proclaimed the forgiveness of all of our sins, the same Savior who so lovingly hung on that cross to take our place has not changed. I was talking to a student this week, I won't say uh, which school, but they were talking about one of their teachers and they said, you know, you just had to be really careful. There were days you knew you could ask your teacher for something and some days you knew not to ask them for something. <laughs> If they were in a good mood or it was a hard day and you didn't want to ask something, that's just like me. I think my kids would probably say the same thing as me, as a dad. There's good times and there's not so good times. It's because we change. But the author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus never does. You can always go to him in your time of need and find mercy. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's that's the foundation that this author wants you to have for your heart. A strong, rooted foundation that does not give way or collapse. And I mention that because he, he begins to warn these believers of things that are coming their way that could lead them away from the faith. You can see this in verse 9. It says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. 
Now, I want to pause and just kind of say this. The language here of being led away is a word that even at that time uh, in Greek culture was a word that was used of being washed away. That a current was so strong that you couldn't walk across it, that things that were inside of it would collapse and give way. And so I want to kind of pull back and ask you about this. There's a bridge, the uh, Macari Bridge, 1937, collapses. Uh, there's another bridge, the Skahari Bridge in New York in 1987, collapses. Uh, the Milton Bridge a few years later, and dozens more across our country in the last hundred years have all collapsed. Why? Well, here's the reason. When they give the accident reports, one of the things that you'll find from the engineers who did it would say this in every single one of those reports, inadequate foundations. So you have the pylons of the bridge that were sunk into the water and the stream rose, the river rose and the currents became so strong that it washed away the foundation and the bridge collapsed. And one of the things that the author is aware of that there are strong currents of of strange and diverse teachings inside the church and outside the church that is seeking to erode the foundation of your faith so that it would come collapsing down. And the author is saying, just just be aware of this, that there are things that are trying to take you away from being rooted and grounded in Christ alone who never changes that you need to be aware of. And you'll notice one of these strange teachings that he mentions here, even in this text. And I'll talk about this. Here's one strange teaching inside the church that authors in the New Testament are regularly warning us about. And it's what I would call compromised Christianity. Uh, You can see this as it goes on in verse 9. He says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And then he says, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. In other words, there was a a kind of teaching during the New Testament times of others inside the church that was eroding the centrality of the gospel. It was compromising Christianity precisely because it detracted from or distracted away from the centrality of the gospel by addition. Saying, yes, Jesus, but also ritual performance at the temple. Yes, Jesus, but also your moral performance. It's, it's what I would call this salvation through devotion. Salvation dependent on how devoted you are. Uh, it was renewal, personal renewal through ritual, religious ritual. It was personal acceptance with God through moral performance. That's one of the strange and diverse teachings that took away from the centrality of the gospel and was eroding the faith of some. It's a compromised Christianity. There was salvation through devotion, renewal through ritual, or spiritual acceptance through moral performance. And the author is warning us against that. Let me mention one, I think, that's a, a strange and diverse teaching according to the language of this text outside the church. It's not what I would call compromised Christianity. It's what I would call customized Christianity. It's the salad bar version of the faith uh, that the church has hold for so long. It's, It's kind of going and saying, I like this about the Christian faith. I don't like this. I like its position on this. 
I don't like that. And so we have this tendency, especially if, if we're here and we, we're not a believer in Jesus Christ, and we have all these questions about Christianity, there can be a pull to kind of evaluate it in light of our own thoughts and desires and say, I like this about it, I don't like that. And if you could just mold it like this, it would be more culturally acceptable and more personally acceptable to me. And the scripture comes along and says, this is a whole that is all connected and it's all rooted in Christ alone. And so the author wants to be very careful to say, be strengthened by this grace of not only faithful teachers, but faithful teaching that roots you and grounds you in the solid foundation of a savior who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And perhaps most importantly, not only are we strengthened by faithful teachers and faithful teaching, but we're also strengthened by the extravagant grace that he mentions here in verse 10. He says, we have an altar. He's alluding back to the temple and you'll notice he says, an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. In other words, here's, here they are at the temple, they're offering sacrifices and they're trusting somehow that their devotion will make them acceptable to God. And he's saying, if you're committed to this old system of ritual performance and not faith in Jesus, you don't have a right to eat from that altar. But if you trust in Jesus, you have an altar from which the final sacrifice has been made. You'll notice in verse 11, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. He's alluding to Leviticus 16, where he's talking about how the sacrifice would come, its blood would be shed, and then they would take its body outside the gates to a place that meant exclusion and rejection, and its body would be burned. It really was a sign that that sacrifice took upon itself for the one in whom it was being sacrificed for, it took upon itself the wrath of God. The death that was due for that person's sin, that sacrifice took. And yet Hebrews tells us over and over that the blood of, goats can blood of bulls and goats can never take away our sin. And the author of Hebrews is saying, be strengthened in your hearts by the grace of a Savior who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and who shed his blood in a perfect sacrifice for you. Not only was it a sacrifice to pay for all of our sins, but it was also the fact that through his blood, we are sanctified. You can see this in verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Now, just a pause and to mention here, it's good for us to slow down and to pull over and to just enjoy and absorb what the author is saying here. It's so easy to read this and say, yeah, yeah, he suffered outside the gates, he shed his blood. But he suffered outside the gates. He was rejected by his own people, excluded from their fellowship abandoned by his own disciples, a place of loneliness, darkness, and curse. 
It was because he loved us that he suffered outside the gates. And not only that, he sanctified us, it says, through his own blood. He shed his own blood. I love how Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, it was the precious blood of Christ. And sanctified here does not mean the same thing it means in Paul's letters. Sanctified in the book of Hebrews means you have been qualified for the thing your heart so desperately longs for and needs and was made for, to stand in the presence of God. You know, the high priest could go into God's presence in the Holy of Holies once a year. And now the author of Hebrews is saying that that Christ, not what you have done, but everything that Christ has done has qualified you to go freely, joyfully, confidently into the presence of God himself. And so the author of Hebrews wants your heart this morning to be strengthened by grace, strengthened by the grace of faithful teachers, strengthened by the grace of faithful teaching, and strengthened by the extravagant grace of the sufficient sacrifice of Christ. Well, what does that look like to be applied in your life? What does that mean? How should that change you? Well, that's what we're going to look at next with not only does God want our hearts to be strengthened by grace, but he wants our lives to be changed by grace as well. You'll notice as he moves on, especially towards the end, he says, these are the sacrifices that are pleasing to God. Well, let's mention three that he mentions here in this text is that if your life is being strengthened by grace and changed by grace, the gospel leads you in a new direction. The gospel leads you in a new direction. You can see this in verse 13. He says, therefore. Okay, here's what our lives look like in response to this strengthening grace. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. In other words, one of the things that that's saying is that one of the things that sin naturally causes us to do. We saw this in Isaiah 53 earlier. That it says that all we like sheep had gone astray. We had turned everyone to our own way. And grace reorients you to a new direction. It reorients you to move towards Jesus and not away from him. If the gospel is changing you, it increasingly makes pursuing Jesus a priority in your life, even if it means the derision of your familiar community. You you see here, it says, let us follow Jesus outside the gates. In other words, rejection and exclusion. That's one of the things that's, that's becoming increasingly hard, even in the West, If you're a follower of Jesus, you're weird. You're strange. You believe that about that? I mean, can you imagine you're you're at dinner with some friends and yeah, I got this friend, he's a believer. And did you know on this topic, do you know this is where they land? How could anybody believe that? What do you think? What are you gonna say in that moment? You start to feel that, oh, now they might consider me an outsider. And Jesus says you have to be willing to make pursuing him a priority, even at times if it means the derision of a familiar community. It means, hey, you you once belonged here, but now because you're heading in the way of Jesus, you're not welcome. 
And the author of Hebrews says, if grace is changing you, you're heading in a new direction. You're heading towards Jesus. So it just leads for us for a natural question of reflection this morning. In your heart, are you going to Jesus? Are you moving towards him or away from him? Grace changes you to move towards him. The gospel not only calls you to a new direction, it fills you with a grateful devotion. You can see this here in the text in verse 15. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Uh, That's the language of, of grateful worship. That we've been so touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can't help but respond with gratitude. Let me mention one of my favorite stories. There was a Coast Guard rescuer by the name of Eric Mueller. He was a uh, second, let's see, second class aviation survival technician. On October 21st of 2001, he got a phone call. Just can you imagine being this guy who was hiking along the Niagara River and he fell in? Whoops. Uh, So he's right above the river and he's going close to the falls. He's 40 feet away and he finally finds a rock that he grabs onto and he is clinging on for dear life. The water is 50 degrees, a little bit chilly. He's in that water for 20 minutes before a helicopter with Eric Mueller in it shows up and is hovering right above him. And they're trying to get down to him. And they finally do this evaluation of, Eric, this could cost you your life to try to rescue this guy. Are you willing to do this? And he finally has to sign off over the the, uh, intercom and say, yes, I'm willing to go down there and help rescue this guy. He's getting hypothermic. He's getting lethargic. He's almost ready to let go of the rock. And finally, Eric Mueller gets let down on the cable. And he's getting ready to get the guy. And then there's this gust of wind that throws him off course. A few minutes later, he comes back. The guy on the rock jumps on top of Eric Mueller in a frantic kind of, please help me, almost killing them both. And then to make matters worse, the cable on the helicopter, the cable thing that pulled it up broke because the load was too heavy. And so now the only option is for both of them to go over the falls with the helicopter. 170 feet. So the helicopter's going, they're both attached, they go over. Thankfully, they both survive. Ten years later, Eric Mueller is at an awards ceremony where they are, they are honoring him for literally the dozens of lives he has rescued. And he said this in his acceptance speech of the award. He says, of all the awards and recognition that I have received during my career, the one thing that would have meant more to me than anything else would have been to receive a thank you card from one of the people I saved. And that is the only thing I never received. I think it's amazing that in light of that, Fyodor Dostoevsky, I always wonder if I'm saying that right, uh, described mankind as the ungrateful biped. That our hearts are just filled with ingratitude. And it's rare for us not only to feel thankful, but to express gratitude. And one of the things that the author of Hebrews is saying is that when Jesus rescues you, not from Niagara waterfalls, but Jesus himself entering into the waterfall of God's justice on your behalf on the cross, when he rescues you, it doesn't just motivate you to be grateful. 
It actually gives you the power to be grateful. And that's how this author says that our lives change by grace. Not only that we're heading in a new direction, but we're filled with grateful devotion. That we're so eager to get together on a Sunday morning and worship and say, Jesus, thank you. We're so eager to meet with him on the morning of a Tuesday or Wednesday or the afternoon of a Thursday or Friday and say, Jesus, I'm here alone in front of your word. Thank you for what you've done to me and for me. Last, the gospel changes your life by empowering you for generous compassion. You can see this in verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. He says don't neglect it because that's something that we often do. We neglect doing good. We neglect to share what we have with others. Some of you have heard the name Paul Harvey who had a radio show a while back. And uh, he told the story of someone who called in the Butterball Hotline. If you've ever heard of that during the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, 24-7, you can call the Butterball Hotline anytime you want to get some recipes, to get some advice. And a gentleman called in and he said this. He said, I, I have a turkey that's been in the fridge for a long time. And uh, I'm just wondering if it's been in the, in the freezer for a long time, if it's still good to be cooked. And they said, well, uh, how long has it been in your freezer? Well, the power's never gone off, but it's been in my freezer for about 16 years. <laughs> what do you think? And they said, well, uh, it's still going to be edible. It probably won't be enjoyable to eat at all. And they said, oh, that's okay. I'm donating it to the church. Um, wah, wah. True story though, true story. And I think that shows in a humorous way, the more serious attitude kind of gets expressed in our heart to say, I'll be generous, I'll share, as long as it's not too costly. As long as it doesn't make me too uncomfortable. And you see, what the author of Hebrews does is goes, do you see how costly Jesus' generosity was for you? Do you see how uncomfortable it was for him? And he did it, Hebrews 12 would say, for the joy set before him. And out of love for you, he generously gave not a portion of his life. He gave it all. And if the gospel is changing your life, it doesn't only lead you in a new direction. It doesn't only fill you with a grateful devotion. It fills you with generous compassion. It also assumes you know the need of those around you. Is there someone in your life right now, today, with your time, with your finances, with whatever it is, with hospitality, inviting them onto your back porch or over for a meal, that you could share what you have that someone who finds himself in a time of need? God wants to strengthen your heart by grace this morning. He strengthens us through the grace of faithful teachers who, who teach us the word of God day in and day out. He strengthens us through faithful teaching that shows us the, our unchanging savior. He strengthens our hearts by showing us extravagant grace of a sufficient sacrifice once for all. And all of that strengthens you to head in a new direction to be filled with grateful devotion.
and to live a life of generous compassion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you more than anything else for our Savior, who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Christ, that you are unchanging, that you hear our prayers. Would you strengthen each heart in this room by grace? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.